Hey everybody, there's one thing, well one person actually that many great rock bands have had in common. We're talking Queens of the Stone Age, a perfect circle, failure, gone is gone, and that person is Troy Van Leeuwen, and he is on the show today plugging in for you. Super inspiring musician, and it's brought to you by something very cool, which is the Believe in Music Week, put on by NAM. Yeah, that's right, NAM won't be in a convention center, obviously, this year in January, starts on the 18th, but it will be fully attendable online via your favorite smart device at attend.believeinmusic.tv. I'll give you that address again, but you really should register there for free. It'll be like walking the halls of NAM from your iPad or your smartphone, from your couch. They'll have multiple channels that will show you everything from brand new gear demos, product reveals, you can interact with manufacturers, to artist TV, which will bring celebrity power and insights to the event with live music, artist appearances, and interviews, a whole bunch of educational stuff, at least 150 professional development training seminars and clinics, for every sector of the music industry. And I'm sure there's a few listeners out there right now who are gonna be doing some of those artist appearances and or leading a clinic or a seminar. Much respect. And it will be like a social network for you to connect with musicians and innovators worldwide who share your interests and goals and passions. It all starts on January 18th, but you can register right now at www.attend.believeinmusic.tv That's attend.believeinmusic.tv It's easy, I did it. I'll see you there. Kid graduates high school and his mom asks him, What do you want to do with your life? He says, I want to be a professional rock musician. She says, well, you can't be both those things. <laughs> That's obviously a riff I'm making there on a classic guitar joke. If you don't know that guitar joke, just hit me up at Twitter or whatever, Instagram, and I'll tell it to you. Jude underscore gold, Twitter, etc. But really, is that an oxymoron professional rock and roll musician? I mean, to some in the outside world, but if you are in the business of making music, you've met a few of these amazing cats. They don't always get the cover of the guitar magazine, but in my opinion, they're every bit as worthy and every bit as inspiring. The utility guys that play multiple instruments that write, produce, sing, that you can count on. Even if they get into a crazy bike accident, they're gonna make the show. More on that in a bit when the interview starts. I'm talking about cats like Troy Van Leeuwen. Super inspiring. First of all, I love his music. That's Troy with Gone is Gone. We'll get into that track. And of course, we'll get into his 18 years with Queens of the Stone Age and how he makes music. And I was also fascinated with his new Fender Jazzmaster because I've never really played Jazzmasters. I was really curious about them and I feel like now I understand them. He'll demo all the tones and sounds and how it works and the tremolo system. And then after 10 minutes or so of that, we get into his crazy career, including the epic beardmonic moment. What is a beardmonic? Well, it's this, it's a harmonic 
played with a beard. Not just any beard, but the most famous beard this side of Santa Claus. Happy holidays, by the way. I hope you all had a great Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, everything else. Happy New Year. One last podcast before 2021 arrives, the year that's going to make everything better, right? Let's hope so. By the way, that beard monic, I think I got it. We're going to listen to it later. I think I got the moment. I think it's going to be this little sound that you're going to hear. Here it is again. Beard monic, folks. That's my new band, Beard Monic. And it's always an adventure when we do these dual sessions where the guest is recording over there. We got a cool sound today, but there is a funny little slapback on Troy's guitar. I don't know if that was intentional, but it sounds really cool. But in case you're wondering, it's there. And it kind of gives the guitar extra dimension, I think, for the purposes of our guitar hang today. Have you guys seen that Bee Gees documentary? If you like pop music, groove music, great songwriting, it's a must-see, really great. And I thought it was, I thought it was a nice tie-in with the last episode of No Guitar Is Safe podcast with Lee Rittenauer that came out right at the same time as that documentary did coincidentally because Lee tells you a crazy epic story of working with Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees on that wild session and how they made their grooves. Or was it a wild non-session? Interesting moment. Interesting week in the life of Lee Rittenauer, jazz legend. I don't know how many of you know this, but I have a YouTube channel for 14 years or something. Gosh, with all kinds of great guitar videos on it, interviews with lots of people, just youtube.com slash judegold, one word. There's a page with all the guests that have been on the show, you know, little clips here and there. You'll see the Kirk Fletcher blues video on the splash page. Don't want to miss that one if you haven't seen it. And there's tons of other stuff. Again, happy new year to all of you. And remember, registration for Believe in Music Week is free. It starts on January 18th. All those demos and clinics and product reveals and interactive conferences. And of course, you can interact with other musicians and creators and producers and manufacturers from all over the world. It's free to be a part of. It's basically like a NAMM show you can attend from your couch on your favorite smart device. I'll see you there. Just register at attend.believeinmusic.tv. All right, let me uh, wind up the old rubber band on the whirly bird. Just enough tension there to get us across town to Troy Van Leeuwen's house. Great. Well, great to meet you, you too. today, and tell us about that beautiful weapon that you are holding there. Well, this is the newest version of my uh, signature model Jazzmaster from Fender. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the first version. It was Candy Oxblood, and it had kind of the opposite aesthetic view of the neck, which was rosewood with uh, with. I guess they're called mother of pearl block inlays. And then yeah. also, yeah, the, the binding was more of a cream color. But uh, yeah, the only real major difference is that and the color. And so this color is called Copper Age. And it's a beautiful color. It's, made, it's kind of like a cross between the Fender copper that they've sort of always had. And I wanted it to have a little bit more gold into it because I really like the Aztec gold. So we kind of came up with this pseudo-copper, like a little orangish kind of summery vibe. So, uh, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's great. really what's going looks, on with this thing. It looks kind of vintage, but it also kind of looks like dude rented a Lamborghini on Hollywood Boulevard. It's like both mixed <laughs> together. 
<laughs> I, I call it a modern classic. That's that's kind of what I'm going with. Exactly. Now I love the black black inlays on the maple neck. Yeah. Does it have binding too? So it's got a black binding. Yeah. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah. It's you know I I, I the Jazzmaster is what it is, and I really the only difference that I that I made to this guitar is I took the slider away for the bass circuit and I put a toggle switch there, two-way toggle. So you like yeah. I have a I have it set to kill switch for now. Yeah. In a live setting, this is a game changer for me because I'm switching between instruments a lot, um, my keys and lap steel yeah. and I gotta cut I gotta cut the signal. So that really helps for me. So I figured you know other players, you know, might want that kind of feature as well. Yeah, it's fun too to make the <laughs> machine gun sounds. You can do all yeah. stuff like that. And you don't have to worry about turning one volume down or something like on a Les yeah, Paul. Yeah, and just... also these, you know, having these controls up here is, is yeah. very helpful for that. And just in case I do want that creamy bass-like circuit. Yeah, you're talking about the, the classic Jazzmaster dials. Yeah, the dials, the yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's all doable when you're in a live setting. All right, so tell me. I am guilty, man. I've been playing guitar since, gosh... I was eight years old, which was a long time ago. Right. And uh, and I man, I've done every food group, man. Les Pauls, Tellies, SGs, acoustics, Dobros. Yeah. The one guitar that is absent from my vocabulary is the Jazzmaster. Why would someone like me want to check out a Jazzmaster? What am I missing? Um. So for me, um, I like you. You know, I was a Les Paul guy forever. Um, and a 135 Gibson hollow body was sort of my other go-to for, for many years. Um, and since Fender put this together, I should say that Fender is, I've always started on strats and tellies. That's my thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm using the, the, the example for how different these guitars can be. Cause let's yeah. just say they are different instruments cause they really are. They sound different. They feel different. Someone like me who's always trying to change up and, and get a challenge out of music, um, I like to have I like to have versatility and I like grabbing guitars that would make me play differently, you know. So literally I I was you know, nearing the end of a tour cycle with Queens, I was like two thousand eleven or something, and we had this big festival run at the long of a long tour at the end of a long tour and literally three weeks before that festival run i got in a motorcycle accident and i broke my collarbone the strap side Your left shoulder and you yeah, are, yeah and left. so i had to really scramble to get because i didn't want to cancel the tour i mean it's you know that's how i make my my living and um plus yeah. i love playing festivals and let's face it none of us ever would just want to cancel because in two minutes there'll be another guitar player standing right there you yeah know, you know and it's like you're letting down your friends too if you're like you know yeah. in, the, in case of the queens it's like i mean i don't i don't want to let anyone down in the band you know it's like we have a great relationship and so yeah yeah I figured i would just um i would try some different things and i already had like a 62 uh reissue jazz master and so i got this um it was like a saxophone strap almost so it went on yeah. both sides and then it kind of went like so from here to here yeah and then to here yeah that's for like baritone saxes man those giant saxes yeah yeah so i found that kind of a strap and there was no way i was going to play my last paul i was like this is going to break 
it's going to hurt really bad, like playing every night. Yeah. So this, you know, the way that this guitar is balanced and the weight of it, it's not like a really light guitar, but it's definitely lighter than a Les Paul. It just seemed to sit really nicely on my right shoulder more than my left shoulder in that situation. Oh, right. So that's kind of how I was like, I was forced to try something different. And so I did, and I got through the tour, and, uh, you know, I basically had my elbow against my rib cage playing like this so this wouldn't oh, hurt and of course having painkillers helped a lot as well but wow. um so i got through the tour i mean it, it, you know yeah unscathed i guess and right. so it was really that moment where i was like you know i can get everything i need out of this guitar and so right. the versatility of it was really what was going what i was going oh my gosh you know i you know it's kind of opening up a new a new chapter in my playing because not only was the sound of the band kind of morphing into a new sound, I was kind of changing as well. So it started yeah. becoming the guitar that I grabbed like most of the time because I can get yeah. a lot out of it. Because when you're in, you know, when you're inspired, you're not like, okay, you know, let me just grab the SG and like, you know, and and the uh, you know the AC30 and like. It's more or less like, no, I know what this does right now. I can get three different tones out of it that are really unique. Yeah. And plus it's got this this floating tremolo. is It's probably the best ever designed. Cause That's cool. So, I don't I mean, really it, ever, it never really goes out of tune for me. That's so, great. So yeah. there's, there's the, the versatility was really what yeah. I would say to a guy like you if you've never played Jazzmaster. You can get the wiriest, yeah. you know, cool, like, stratty, you know, single coiled sound, and then you can get the woofiest sort of like creamy yeah. solo tone in the bass circuit too with the same guitar. Now, I know that you're not, I mean, you're a studio guy. You probably have so many cool amps and everything, but right, no, at, right now at the moment, you're plugged into your laptop and your Universal Apollo, maybe an amp mod, but can you demonstrate some of the different? Well, yeah, so, so basically what I've got going on here is, you know, I'm using a, a couple of different pedals. I, I, I don't use too much amp simulation because I can tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. But I'm using these these uh, these JHS pedals that are kind of modeled after like a Supro and a and like a Twin 12 Silvertone. So that's what oh, I've got cool. to go on. So it's kind of direct, kind of ampish. But, you know, right off the bat, I mean, I could just go... So you're getting a, yeah. a full bar chord. Yeah. And that's just the the uh, the treble pickup, you know, the bridge pickup. Yeah. And they look like P90s, but they're not really wired like P90s. They're right? not really. They're they're a very unique single coil yeah. pickup. They're yeah, not yeah. like a Strat. They're not like a Tele. They're kind of their own thing. And there is a little tiny bit of a P90 sound, but not, you know, P90s are usually loud or, or have a have a very um, yeah. hot output. These are low output. Yeah. And so another thing about the guitar that I like is, you know, it's a nice, clean sort of, I guess, canvas yeah. 
for you to add your color, which is the pedals, you know, so, or your amp. Right, right. Maybe that's why a lot of guys like Kevin Shields use them and stuff. They use so I agree. Different... Kevin Shields and Johnny Marr. Well, Johnny Marr has his Jaguar now, but he was playing a jazz master, you know, on a, I, I, I was on tour with uh, that band Modest Mouse a few years ago, and he was guesting with them. And he was another guy who was like talking to me about jazz masters. And I was like, ah, I'll check it out. So he kind of inspired me as well. But yeah, you know, like uh, the guys in Sonic Youth, um, yeah. they've always seemed to dra- gravitate towards jazz masters. You know, they put pickups back here to get, to get all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of, I mean, I play the behind the bridge all the time with this thing. Right. So there's, you know, it's a, it's a cool instrument. And you can get Kurt Cobain, out of it. but Kurt was a Jaguar, right? What's that? Kurt Cobain play a Jaguar? I believe he was more of a Jaguar guy. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Can we hear the neck pickup on that? Or so yeah. So the other other sounds. You know, it's still clean, but it's got that woof to it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's got a cool kind of cool throw to it, you know. And do you use both pickups at once a lot too, or? Um, yeah, the, the great thing about, I always play this riff, <laughs> oh, oops, you know, it's like, it's yeah. that song all day long, you know, is that Elvis Costello? Yeah, it's pump yeah. it up. So to me, yeah. that's like, wow, that's that song right there. <laughs> Elvis Costello, he's an underrated guitar player. You know, I like people yeah. don't think of him as chops and everything, but I saw him once. He's like Neil Young, all the passion, and he's taking this huge solo in the rain. I think it was that song. Yeah, I mean, he's he's. I mean, he's got to be good to to like write those songs. You know, he never really yeah. on the records. You don't think of him as like this guitar player guy. You know, but I mean, yeah. his sense of melody and and um, and harmony have always been some of my favorites so yeah this solo he's doing the passion it just just goes to show you even if you don't play fancy stuff if you have the passion and the fire like him or neil young stuff his solo is just as great as any other rock guitar solo i mean i gotta yeah i mean i I think it's it's you gotta have that to me it's always been like really find your moment to shine and then really take it but you know over the years i've become more and more of a, a guy who wants to play with people that he respects and have an experience Rather than just showing off, hey, I can do all this stuff, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've been getting more and more like that, and I'm. It's been it's been fun to to kind of collaborate with with everyone that I collaborate with. And gosh, what a list that is! I don't even know how to tackle that. Wait, before I ask you that, can you demonstrate the curious tremolo system on that guitar? Yeah, so it's really simple. It's 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 really a floating tremolo. Um, and you know once you know once you put some you know you put yeah. your new strings on it, you stretch them out a little bit. This thing you can you know it's really good for for just kind of almost any kind of. That's so cool. Great for surf guitar and like fifties 
sort of crooner style. So you're hearing yeah. it, oh, yeah, yeah. but you know when you're blasting through your through mm. your amp, it's it. I mean, it's just the more and feedback they kind of have, the more you get into like Adrian Ballou style kind of like whammy bar playing, and I really like that too. Is it floating? Like you can go up and pitch with the bar so yeah. It's So there's a little lock on this thing. Sometimes if you don't want it to go oh, right. up, you can, but... Right, right, that's so cool. Now, oh, that sounds killer. Can you put your palm on the bridge and it doesn't go sharp? Yeah, you know, you've got to kind of do it definitely. But it's not like a... It's not like it's not like a floating strat bridge where you just breathe on it and it goes sharp. No, no, because so you've got the, this. It's not part of the bridge too, yeah, so yeah. you're not pushing down on it. Yeah, I mean that's another reason why I, I, I use this. So that's this one. That's a great advantage. Now, one of your many projects is Sweethead. One of your ner- yeah. newer projects. There's a song called Reverse Exorcism. Do you play guitar on that? And if so, what what? Yeah, I don't know what kind of rig you're using, but it has kind of that cool garage tone on it. So I believe Yeah. Yeah, it's just that. Yeah, I love it. So it's ba- it's basically I like, you know, I like pushing the amp and having more of an overdrive sound than a distorted sound. So you're hearing all yeah. the jangliness of of that like that song in particular where yeah. you're playing the whole bar bar chord and you're getting you know you're getting the yeah. twang of the lower of the, the higher strings and i mean that's what i love, I love that about so, this yeah. guitar because you know the amps that i use mainly are an ac30 and um and uh my friend uh gabriel curry he's got a company called echo park yeah yeah um, I use some of his guitars too, but he makes these great amps. He's got this amp called the Vibromatic 23, which is like a 23 watt amp. And you just set it to like mid. Yeah. You set the tone to five. You set the volume to five, and it sounds like like a like a beefed up champ. You know, it's a, it's a it's a larger. It's it's got more wattage than a champ, but it's just got this great sort of like you can do anything with that amp like tone. You yeah. could play, you could solo with it, you can rhythm guitar with it. It just doesn't get very loud, which is great for the studio. And I, actually, a few years ago, me and the other guitar players in, in Queens, Josh and, and Dean, we went out on tour with Iggy Pop and backed him. And we took those amps. We took those amps specifically. Because yeah. Iggy, you know, you don't want to be louder than Iggy on stage. Because <laughs> you want his voice yeah. to be the thing that carries everything and everybody watches Iggy. So they were perfect <laughs> for that live setting because they sound great and then you could just let the sound guy do all the boosting out front for whoever takes the solo or whatever. Yeah. And it was just 
it sounded great on stage and it felt great and we had a blast on that tour so it's, so we those are those are two of the main amps that i use um also i'm trying out this new kind of amp that that gabriel's a part of it's called the narb it's kind of like this unicorn marshal that existed like in between the plexi and the jmp era so it's kind of a it's a hand-wired Marshall like 100 watt amp uh, head with a 312 cabinet. So it's 312. It looks great and it's it's loud and it's it sounds really cool. Um, but I'm always trying new stuff yeah. to be honest. I mean, I'm always checking new yeah. things out as well. What did you learn from playing with Iggy? Talk about a world famous legendary front person. I, I, I what I learned <laughs> is that I mean, he's 72. I want to be like Iggy when I grow up. <laughs> If I ever decide to grow up, I want to be like him. I mean, I think every show I would watch him. I mean, we would all watch him. He'd bleed every show. He'd give everything that his body and his voice had every night that we played. And and then after the show, he would be gone. I he would probably just he would eat and then pass out. Because <laughs> it's like I mean, yeah. to me, where he's come from and all the music that he's made that's influenced pretty much everybody to seeing from the Stooges to his solo records with Bowie, the idiot and lust for life are two of like my favorite records ever. And, and to watch him play every night was really the inspiring thing to say to yourself, Hey, you know, if I take care of my body, I can, I can make it to 72. Yeah. Well, you know, I, this isn't about me, but I play in Jefferson Starship and oh, wow. David David Freiberg, who wrote the song Jane, is 82 now. He just turned 82 and he's crushing it. I mean, he gets standing ovations every night when he's just it's like, what? That's awesome. So, yeah. yeah. I want to be like, yeah, you know, because those old guys, I don't want to even call them old guys, just that older generation, yeah. they've been through a lot. They've been yeah, through yeah. a lot and some, a lot of them didn't make it. And the ones that have, have this story to tell, which... It's like it, it's a it seems to be a, a point in time that nobody can really recreate, you know, coming from that era and being here now, especially now with whatever's happening in the world. You know, everything's so upside down to even yeah. get out and like play a show is impossible. <laughs> I know. But... So it's a weird time. But I, I look to, you know, that generation as like they went through something that nobody ever would go, will be able to go through again. No. I know. So um, let's talk about this crazy rocket ship ride you got on in like 2002, Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. I mean, you've been in so many bands, so maybe we can get to some of them. Sure, yeah. Failure, Perfect Circle yeah. before that. But maybe starting with Queens of Stone Age would be cool. Was there actually an audition that you went to? I know that you guys met up eventually, but did you try out against other guitar players or anything? Well, the way it went down was like this. You mentioned like, you know, failure in a perfect circle. When I was playing with a failure, we had this guy doing our sound. His name was Hutch. And we got him because Caius had just broken up. And we loved the way that Caius sounded live. And, and so, Josh Hami was in that. So Josh and I met back then through Hutch. And I heard the first demos of what yeah. became the the debut uh, Queens of Stone Age record back then on cassette, we would listen to it in the van and we'd be like, whoa, what is this? So there's always been like this kind of orbiting around each other. Like, you know, when Rated R came out, Perfect Circle were on the road for the first, you know, for Merdenome. And yeah. 
we would go watch them play. They'd come watch us play. And it was just this thing that we were always kind of like around each other. Yeah, yeah. So when I was, you know, in between making records with a Perfect Circle and, you know, kind of sitting around. Because, you know, after Perfect Circle, Maynard went straight to Tool and like, you know, did, later, uh, did Lateralis and was on tour forever. And I found myself kind yeah. of, you know, doing a little bit of studio work and, and, and nothing much else. So... Josh just called me and he's like, we need somebody to play guitar, lap steel, and keys. And we're going to be playing 40, we're going to be choosing from 40 songs because the set changed every night. And he was like, so you got a week to learn all of them. And fortunately for me, I was a fan already. And so, so there wasn't really like a cattle call audition. Yeah. He just knew of me right. and I knew of him and Hutch yeah. gave me like the thumbs up. You should have this guy, you know? Yeah. And so it was, he just had a like sense a, that you would fit. A, yeah. A destined thing, you know, that kind of happened. And so yeah. after a week of having, and songs for the deaf wasn't even out yet. So I was learning all that record and, and right. the, the two previous records. And so, yeah. So I met up with him, you know, the day before we were supposed to rehearse and just showed him what I knew and, he was like, "Wow, you pretty much have all of it. Here's what you're not doing right, you know." But uh, yeah, yeah. And then the next day, I was rehearsing with the band with 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 Grohl on drums. And then a week after that, we did our first show in like Atlanta. And then from there on, it was just a, like a train, yeah, like a freight train that nothing was in the way. And it was, you know, I've been fortunate to ride a couple of these waves, you know, with these oh, bands yeah, yeah. that I've been in and. That one still happens to be going, so it's it's been a fun ride and a challenging ride as well, you know. Now, obviously, on that album, the big hit, no one knows. What what do you play on that song? Can you show us, or do you play guitar? Well, I would play it, but it's I it's it's in a different tuning. I guess it wouldn't really sound right. But uh, I don't play on the verses guitar. I play yeah. so like on the second verse. There's some swells that we that me and Dean do, but on the chorus. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're going. But see, it doesn't sound right in E. It's got to be oh, in dude. C. Yeah, but it still sounds so great. When you guys do your C tuning, is that just C standard? Yeah, it's standard. Yeah, even in standard tuning, though, there, what you just played, it just the energy in the pocket is great well, for Well, I mean, I, so I, I grew up, before I started playing guitar, I played drums, and that was... My, yeah. you know, all of, I, I attribute all of my rhythm um, abilities to being a, a, a half-rate drummer. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah, and listening to ACDC records, you know, of course I loved, you know, I loved Angus's playing, but for me, Malcolm was like the balls of the band. Oh, man, thank you for saying that. Yeah, Malcolm's a, both those guys, but yeah, but yeah Malcolm, but, but hero. Together, they're they're this monster of a team, and... But holding it down, even down to his stance when he's on stage. Oh, yeah. I interviewed them both once. God bless. You know, we, we miss Malcolm so much. I interviewed them both on a conference call. He said that he just favorite thing to do is just to stand back there with one leg touching the drum riser. Yeah. And just feel it and feel lock it, yeah. with it. I was like, you are my man. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, I mean, to me, rhythm is more than half the game. You know, yeah, you need to bust out a solo once in a while that where you, where you shine. But to me, I'm I'm more of like I'm really enjoying collaborating with with everybody that I 
play with. And that's that means magic happening, improvisation, but also being in the pocket together. Oh yeah, yeah. And to I mean, me that's all the important those, stuff. You're you were built for twenty twenty. Meaning Well we'll see. That, <laughs> I mean, we're all very we're all very challenged by everything, but you are a producer, a writer, and you've been in all, you've obviously proven that you can get along with all types of different personalities. That's very few players really truly have the whole full I mean, hand I, I, like that. That's a natural thing for me to want to play along, harmonize, yeah. you know, even do, you know, stuff that's syncopated and also counter melody stuff is really important to me. Um, yeah. It all is a bit part, you know, it's a part of the bigger picture. Yeah, you know, I just I just finished co-producing this new Gone Is Gone record, and um, yeah, during these times, it's it's hard to get in a room and play with other people, and you kind of have to when you're creating by yourself, you kind of have to put yourself in the room in your head with the other guys because yeah. there's something there's that that's there that otherwise it's you're just kind of just in your room playing, you know. So it's been a little bit challenging, yeah. but right. we're getting through it. Real quickly. The people kill me if I don't get some good Queens of the Stone Age stories. What's like the most spinal tap moment you've ever seen in your 17 year, 18 years with the band on stage? I mean, or tell us something memorable. <laughs> I don't know. If, I mean, spinal tap, there's a reason that that movie exists because every touring <laughs> musician has had something like what's happened in that movie happened to them. You know, all I, all I can think about, you know, of like situations like that. <laughs> The first thing that comes to mind is is that Songs for the Deaf tour. Um, our bass player at the time, Nick Oliveri, he's a he's a beautiful human being, and he is somebody. He's a force to be reckoned with. But he's like the son of Lemmy and Keith Moon. You know, he's just right. he's on fire all the time. But I remember playing a festival. I don't even know where it was, but he was playing a Dan Armstrong bass. And he would take his pants off. But Wait, what's uh, the deal with the Dan Armstrong? Is that a clear bass or something? That's the clear bass. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. 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 And so I'm busy playing three instruments, you know, on my side of the stage, and then you look up and you're like, "Dude, put that thing away." <laughs> it's pressed against Dan Armstrong bass, and I'm like, "I got to get that image out of my head," you know. But it's not really Spinal Tap, but. That happened quite a few oh, times, and I was like, that's, "I was like, dude, you have to do that." And he's like, "What?" That's, not, that's definitely I'm natural. Tap. I'm natural. Oh yeah, you can. That's a visual. Even having not been there, I can't erase that. Yeah, and then and it. then you know, inevitably at some point during the during the show, either him or Josh would go into the drum set, and then it would be like, "Dude, we still have like 15 minutes in our set." And you just destroyed the drum set. You just you broke the drum set. So yeah, so those those tours were were a lot of fun and just crazy, but good good family fun. Now, what's a good example from one of your tunes with Queens of the Stone Age where you you have like like maybe from Era Vulgaris or something? I hear stuff. I don't know if it's you or not, but a good example of like counter melodies or or you fitting in with another part. Like I don't know. Like, there's like yeah, a, there's um. Are you in threes and sevens or threes and sevens? Um, there's like that whammy part in there or there's no there's mo there, i'm trying to think of a good example of that you know i mean a good a good example is make it with you which basically oh yeah yeah is you know josh actually played piano but you know i played most of the, the the rhythm guitar and it's like it's basically like a keith richards like 
So it's very much on the upbeat, yeah. and the piano is just keeping the, the downbeat. Oh just. yeah, that's a feel-good song. Josh play the solo on that, and if he does the solo on that. Yeah, and that's an interesting tone. It's a real like garagey tone. Yeah, I mean, there's it's he has a great sort of ability to get like his fingers do a really cool thing where even if the the amp is not driven very much, he still gets a, a good sustain and a good yeah. attack. So his his tone his tone you you wouldn't think like. You wouldn't think that it's like uh, clean, but it pretty much is. It's pretty much yeah, clean yeah. with a little extra, a little dirt on it. But his fingers are able to keep the sustain really well, and that's a good example of that song. You know, he, Do you have any idea what kind of amp he's running through on that solo? It's just, it sounds like a small on that amp solo. I really couldn't tell you. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, you know, he's got his secrets, and I, I've sworn yeah. to keep them for him. So, He's still trying to keep them all these years. I remember when we wrote about Queens of the Stone Age in 2002 or whatever. It was, it yeah. was a secret. He's still got his secrets um, that he doesn't like to, you know, he thinks of himself as a, a magician, you know. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to give away his tricks. But, <laughs> you know, I, I would I would say it all day long that it, it's really about his fingers. You know, uh, another great um, lesson that I learned in the studio with him and uh, we were doing lullabies to paralyze and we had billy gibbons come and play on, on a couple songs and you know the great uh, this is the one thing i learned about people's and their fingers you know when they're playing guitar everyone's got a signature thing that they do and it didn't matter what guitar and what amp you plug billy into he sounded like yep. billy it was just incredible I mean, yeah. it's just there's something when you've been playing that long and you've had the, a signature sound for that long, you're just like, well, it's just that's just what he does. You know, he yeah, did this. He did this note where he, he bent it and it and then his beard fell onto the string and it hit a harmonic. I was like, <laughs> really? Is that one of your moves? He's like, I didn't know I could do that. Was that on? Is that on the record? The beard, the beard harmonic is is a is a moment that I'll never forget. Is did that make it onto one of the songs? Like, it was on a song did. called "Burn the Witch." Yeah, because he hear takes that the solo on there. That. You can hear it. Yeah, it's like and the it's second this... or third note before he takes the solo. Oh, I'm gonna try to find it and fly it in, people. So Wish it's me a luck. Build up to to before the solo. Yeah. <laughs> So many 
the other projects that you've done, like I'd love to touch on some of them. Like sure. take Enemy. Yeah. The song Clean. I think it's called Clean. Yeah. Which starts off with a super cool guitar sound and then it's funky. Did you produce that? I did, yeah. So that that record was kind of right after the failure years. Um, I I decided I should try and you know write some stuff that I don't you know I am not a, a, a self proclaimed singer. You know I can sing harmonies, I can sing backups, I can sing, but it was an experiment for me to try and like front a band and like see if I could do it and. So a lot of that stuff was sort of in between failure and like I wrote that song on the bus on the Perfect Circle tour, I remember, you know. So it was a compilation of like different years of like, you know, making music and then just compiling it onto one record, four or five different drummers, you know. And so that song, I programmed a beat. Uh, on an MPC 2000, I think it was. Because I'd never really done that before. So yeah. I just took some samples and I turned the swing way up high. So it's like the right. swing on the beat is very like like hip hop almost. So yeah, that was an experiment for me. And I was like, so I just, I think it was a two. Yeah, so it was just sort of experimenting, you know, in the bus, and that yeah. kind of came out. Do you run your lap slide through the same amps that? So no, uh, live. What over? I do is I have three different amps that are going. It, yeah, I, I guess you could say in a way. So what I have going on, you know, my latest rig, anyways, on the last Queen's tour was a dry amp and a wet amp, and so. The dry amp for guitar would be the, uh, I was using, uh, I think it was a PV, I don't, I can't remember the name, uh, it was a standard, I think. So, um, yeah. and then the the dry amp for the, um, or the lap steel was an AC30. And so, and then I would have a wet amp that would do all the effects and delays and reverbs and stuff. So, so it's, it's some, in some ways, if I wanted to go stereo, I could. But a lot of the time it was yeah. like, a, you know, you want the dry and, and, and the, the wet so the mixer up front could, could really oh, yeah. dial it in per room. Because you don't want to be in a cavernous room with a bunch of reverb. So I would, I would kind of do that because, and I would plug the, the, the lap steel into the, dry, the, the wet amp in the, the second channel. Because I was never playing guitar and lap steel at the same time, so they wouldn't right, right. cross pollinate. Um, so yeah, there would That's be effects cool. going to that amp. For lap steel. Beautiful. That was the NARB. I was using the, the yeah. NARB for the, for the wet end. <laughs> the NARB. I love that name. So Gone is Gone. Yeah. Um, I don't know which uh, is like your newest stuff. I was listening to Sentient. That's a beautiful hip. It's like dark Pink Floyd intro.
Yeah, yeah that one, that's um, the first song on the last record. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah, it's funny making the, making that record, that was kind of a live record. There was a lot of stuff that was happening in the room that we kept. Um, yeah. And that guitar tone was one of them. Um, because I was using this pedal, and I have it here, but it's not plugged in, I don't know where it is. It's called a Super Ego. And it is a, it's, it's well, it's a electric harmonics uh, uh, pedal. And it, it's, it's, I guess they call it a synth engine. But anyways, it does a freeze sort of feature. So, wow. and then it has a gliss feature as well. So. You can hit a note and then you can freeze it like momentarily and then the next note you can hit depending on where the gliss is go really slow yeah. up to the next note so i was using that pedal on that record a lot that intro is all with that pedal um and oh, um oh. and i i'm on that song i'm, I'm using a, a an open d tuning which i couldn't really yeah it would take me a while to tune it up like that but but yeah, I mean, it's another song where pedals are, are a big part of it, you know. The big heavy yeah. solo sort of intro and outro, I was using this uh, this pedal from Earthquaker Devices called the Bit Commander. And it's like a sub synth kind of like 8-bit yeah. synth sound and fuzz as well. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of experimenting with pedals on that record. Guitars sound like synthesizers and vice versa. Yeah. Tell me about per a perfect circle. You played on the hollow, right? Actually, or, on that record, I did. We we retracked it for the single, but on the record, no. I, I yeah. was I joined the band kind of halfway through that record. Right. On that record, I'm playing um, mainly. You can hear my playing on a song called "Thinking of You." Uh, I do the solo in that, right. and um, I think "Sleeping Beauty" is another one. I, I'm trying to, wow. Yeah, I know. That was 20 years ago. <laughs> that was 20 years ago and probably like 80 albums ago. For yeah, you. yeah. So, but, you know, on the second record, I played on a few, a, a bunch more songs too. But yeah, that, the first record, I yeah. kind of like right at the tail end of that one being yeah. finished is when I joined the band. Now, like I was on the hollow, there's that one part almost sounds like a ring modulator. Billy's using like a, like a ring mod on that, that arpeggio. Yeah, it's like, it's some kind of a ring mod thing. He had some really interesting effects that I've never seen yeah. other people use. He's really had a That's like a good. really unique thing going on, you know, with his playing and his sounds. All right, so tell me, what advice do you, what what's it like playing rock in Rio? Let's say someone has a gig there next week. What 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 should they expect? I mean, if <laughs> if if the fans know your music, be warned that they're going to be louder than your band when they cheer. And you're. And you played there with Queens. Played there with Queens right before the headlining slot. I think the headliners were System of a Down. But it's incredible to see 100,000 people not only singing in a different language that they're used to, but screaming your, your lyrics back to you. It's, it's nuts. It's, yeah. it's nuts. <laughs> That's all I can say. 
Yeah, I mean, we've all seen the videos from that, like, you know, whether it's Iron Maiden or different people. I mean, the one concert. that always stands out to me is Queen when he sings Love of My Life and they just take over. It's yeah, like great. brings a tear to your eye. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Um, who, so did you have, a, was there a good hang backstage that day or other bands? What so, the you, there? The, yeah, I mean, it was funny because, you know, Macedon yeah. were there at the same time, but they played the day before or after. But, you know, everyone's yeah. there at the same time and everyone kind of stays at the yeah. same hotel. So it's them. I always wonder, is that a good thing to put all the bands at the same hotel? Or maybe we shouldn't do that for if we're a I mean, <laughs> it depends, you know. Yeah. It, it, in most cases, it's a good idea. Yeah. But a lot I've seen a lot of yeah. cases where that goes wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I think the Deftones were there too, which are old buddies of ours. And I mean, it's... Yeah. It's fun to play those kind of festivals, especially if you have friends that are on the bill. Because first of all, you know, we we try, you know, with the Queens, we try to have a very inclusive sort of not only backstage experience, but also on stage experience or the side of the stage. Some bands don't let other people watch them from the side of the stage, but we we put side fills there oh, for yeah. people to listen. Because we want to look oh, over nice. at our peers and say, all right, try this. You know, like oh, there's a little cool. bit of a friendly competition there, I think. And and it's just nice to see your friends that, that are watching you. And, and I love to watch bands from the side of the stage, too, because you're getting a you're getting a, yep. you know, a, an up close view of things that you might not normally see out in the crowd. Yeah. And then you get self-conscious. I was opening for, we we did four shows with Toto and Steve Lukather is one of my heroes. And he's like on the side, he's at the monitor desk, like just watching me a couple times. And you're like trying to play my, (laughs) this is my moment. How am I doing? How am I doing, Steve? (laughs) Um, Somebody just sent me a really funny Instagram post that he did where I think somebody was like doing construction like next door. Leaf blowers. Leaf blowers. They're the The leaf blowers. Yeah. Resistance. That is so incredible. Um, and he goes out there in his pajamas at seven in the morning. I know, like, and it's, it's rocking it's, it's out it's on hilarious. guitar. I love that. Um, yeah. You know, we we did a lot of Era Vulgaris at one of his, uh, his studio. Uh, it's called a Steakhouse in Burbank. Yeah. So yeah. Well, thanks for doing this. I just, yeah. We got to give a shout out to Fender. You know, there's this this article came out. We all read it. At least some of us, like in the Washington Post or something, about how guitar is dead. Like three years ago, or I can't remember, could have been years fly by. And then Fender is having this record year, as we all know, and they're doing these beautiful signature models. Kenny Wayne Shepard was on the show recently, and so is Brent Mason. I'm actually holding this Brent Mason thing. You ever mess with the B-Bender? I never have, but I've been- Dude, uh, you gotta being, try it. Being, being a, a, a Page fan, you know, I always loved his, his B-Bender guitar playing. I should. I, I really should. I've never just never had the chance to. Yeah, like I'm trying to do rock stuff with it. You know, it's like it's just, yeah. it's really it's addictive. You start like yeah. Once it, you once you kind of like understand that there there's a thing called a beat bender, and you've been listening to Zeppelin records your whole life, and you're like, oh wait, that's how he does yeah. it. You know. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, yeah, I've had my mind blown. And this one's, those old ones were like these giant mechanical devices, but this was a Joe Glazer one. It just goes through a tiny little hole right through the middle. Like it's, wow. It, 
Oh wow! It's very low. So mass. is that is that his I mean, signature model? This is the Brent Mason signature model. Yeah, and uh, is that a mini it humbucker? It's a mini humbucker, and then it's that's uh, that's extra, pretty rad yeah, in the neck position. My my, uh, you yeah. know, even though we're we're here because of Fender, I I, yeah. I don't you know I, I have to talk about guitars. You know, um, yeah, my yeah. my first Les Paul was a deluxe, uh, and I love those mini humbuckers. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something cool about it. Oh, great. So that's a great idea Very for cool. Telly. I never thought of that. Anyway, so Fender's having this renaissance. I just want yeah. to this show's not yeah. we're not sponsored by Fender, but these great artists, yourself, Kenny Wayne Shepherd, Brand Mace, all these guitars coming out. So it's just wonderful to have them. I want to congratulate you on your Thank you. New, yeah, you know, I was kind of master. as this COVID thing was happening, I I, I forgot all about this. Because I was like, there's no way, you know, there I'm everything's being pushed back. And literally like a month ago they were like so you ready to do press for this i was like really and, and like <laughs> mike tempesta awesome. you know mike he's been friends we've been friends for a long time and he's like dude yeah people are buying guitars right now and i'm like i'm cool that's great i that makes me yeah. feel good I, i'm glad that people yeah. are are buying guitars and and making music yeah right now dude because it's yeah when i read i know when i read that article four years ago i was like fuck you it's so not true your information is skewed i remember like in somewhere in the night like (laughs) mid 90s or something i remember billy corgan was saying you know rock guitar is dead you know there's all this electronic music was coming out and i was like i just don't see it The, the guitar the guitar is such a unique instrument that people like it because it's it's like the way it's tuned is so not intuitive to like what a piano is yeah. or like any other instrument and and it's so yeah. imperfect having steel on wood and then steel and then yeah. it's there's there's imperfections in the guitar that you can't mimic with other instruments and so i just i've never bought it never bought it yeah. Um, even though I I program drums all day long and I do synth stuff, um, the new Gone Is Gone stuff is very electronic. But there's guitar and everything. Always, yeah, yeah. If anything can lead us out of 2020, it's the guitar. I think. I hope so. <laughs> I'm yeah, ready. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. And the other thing about guitar is it's the ultimate couch instrument. You know. You just, Look at me. If you're watching TV, you see my yeah, couch, couch here. You can, I'm I'm, I'm yeah, chilling. We can, there's no no better instrument for chilling on the couch. Anyhow, Troy, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us today. Keep it alive till you're 95. I will do my best. <laughs> cool. Right on, man. It was nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I'll see you around. And uh, by the way, say hi to Norm Block. I did a, I did a session at his he, house, met him in January. He just mixed our, our record, the, the Gone is Gone record. So I talk to him oh, all the time. Cool. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I'm glad I added that. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I didn't know if he mixed it or you mixed it or what. He, he mixed... Today. He mixed... Uh, 80% of the record and me and uh, Tony uh, Tony Hajar mixed all the stuff that doesn't have a lot of drums there's a lot of ambient stuff on, cool. on the new records like three or four kind of two minute pieces with limited vocals that we we just decided to mix you know because yeah. it's super not you know it, it was really about the drums because you know Norm's a drummer and, and he's based his studio like on his drum sound you know but yeah, his yeah. gear is insane, and he's uh, he's really become a great mixer. You know, like when we first started working yeah. on the, we first started recording the Sweethead stuff. It was at that same house, and that was ten years ago. <laughs> and 
and yeah, yeah. it's changed a lot. But he's gotten better and better, and I, I, I love Norm. He's great. So I'll yeah, say hi. Great. Yeah. Oh, well, cool. Thank you. Well, have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon, and have fun with that guitar. I will. All right, man. Take it easy. Whoa. Guitar is safe.